Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, we get an update from Christy on November. She's been working with me, or we've been working together on the 2X Accelerator, and she's been doing a great job. If you're brand new to the show and you haven't heard the updates, we have uh, at least 10 others on this particular case study, and we've been following along each month. So Christy, how are you today? Doing well, Doug. How are you? I'm doing awesome, and I want to tell you congratulations. You hit $9,000 for the first time on the site. So (laughs) how does it feel? It feels way better than hitting $6,000, which felt pretty good. So yeah, it's a big jump this month. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And there's a few areas that we can attribute it to. So can you talk about those? And also, you have been doing sort of a running total how much revenue has grown compared to the same month of last year. So can you kind of outline all the earnings and such? Sure. So this month was up 138% from 2020 November, which is great. I have started adding to the updates uh, month by month comparison for increase or decrease uh, in revenue. The good news is that none of them decreased this year. So that's great. Um, the least amount of increase I've had this year was 60% for a month. So that's awesome. The highest I've had this year was 224% for a month. So overall, definitely trending in the right direction. And the other cool thing I calculated this month was currently I'm up 90% overall revenue from 2020. And so as long as December is, you know, knock on wood, uh, decent even, I should be hitting that double revenue uh, goal that we set at the very beginning for the whole year. So that's awesome. And pretty much this month, it was 50-50 on Amazon affiliates and ads, which is pretty much usually the case, but both were significantly up. And then also saw a good jump in my Etsy affiliate. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But that's generally where we are for the year. Awesome. And for people that want to dig into some of the numbers a little bit more deeply, you do a blog updates, so there are uh, graphs and tables and a lot more information, so people can get the details here. And one thing I want to point out is the total revenue, I guess it's a 13-month running total here because it's November 2020 to 2021, but it's uh, nearly $76,000, which is pretty impressive when you see it all together and you can see the growth um, as you go here. So. That, that's pretty amazing. Does, is that surprising to you at all? Or what, what did you expect? I don't even know what I expected. I think it was just to make kind of a nice little side income, you know, and instead it's now to the point where I'm just thinking, what else do I need to do for the site in 2022 to make it fully what I need it to be and really flip the model of my own income from my agency life to uh, more of running the site. So that's cool. Um, in the whole lifetime, it's generated 114000 and that's been since October 2018. So I don't think I expected that, 
Um, but now that I have a good sense of it and I know kind of what levers to pull, it does seem a lot more like, well, why am I not just going to double this thing every year? Right. Why would I not just try to do that? The other part of that is, you know, most of the income, because you've been earning so much more this year in 2021, most mm-hmm. of the revenue has been in the last, you know, 12 months, like you're mm-hmm. hitting like the high yep. mark all the time. And, you know, it kind of leveled out. There's a little bit of seasonality, like most niches have some seasonality. So yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Now I want to shift over to your courses and this has been like a big focus. And, uh, you know, we talked about it sometimes in the previous updates where I pushed you in the direction that's a little bit different than what people hear, where it's developing your own courses, do email marketing and develop all these other skills, which also means you're starting at like ground zero where you don't Mm -hmm. know anything and you're a beginner again. So you finally were able to get the courses out. Can you talk about that and start with the earnings? Yes. So did get the first course out this month. Um, We do have a second one in progress, but I don't see that launching before probably January, um, which is several months late for that as well. The general theme being these take way longer than I thought they would. Um, But we did our two week kind of introductory pricing promotional push in the last two weeks in November. And we set the price at 99 versus 149. And we had 12 sales for a total of uh, 1188 So just to kind of put that in perspective of what I have put into the course, getting it to this point, um, I invested about $2,700 in content, admin support, systems. You know, I have to pay 120 bucks a month for Teachable, which is a lot in my opinion. Um And so once we take away the 12 sales for November and the three beta tester sales, I'll need an extra $1,300 in sales to break even. So that's about nine more sales. Okay. Not too bad. And I think we've already debated many times on like the approach of selling a course. So I won't even talk about that, but I was going to say that selling 10 is really good, especially at that price point. So it, you know, it proves the market. It proves that the price point is generally in the right range. You generally had not sold as many of the cheaper digital guides, right? Mm -hmm. Which are like 10 bucks or something, which it's so surprising. Like, why do you think you sold more of this more premium product that's a lot more expensive? It boggles me. Well, I think... What we did well with the course launch, which is mostly due to my team member, Lindsay, uh, we did pretty well with the email drip campaign just for the course and with all of the social posts. So it was, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Insta stories and all that kind of stuff. And we did see that every time we would send, uh, you know, a big email, which is about every other day, uh, that we would get at least a sale or two. So I think the email strategy worked. Our list size is upwards of, I think, 3,700 now. Um, So we do have a good sized group to be talking to about new courses. 
And I think we would go ahead and just follow that model again for the second course when it's ready. And the other thing that we have in mind is a quarterly promotion where we do drop the price related to like a faux holiday or a real holiday that is related to the course content. So that's kind of the plan for 2022 because after we stopped that two week sprint in November, haven't had any sales since then. Right. So like clearly that content was the driver and I don't know if we'll see many, if any, just having people stumble upon it in the knowledge directory or things like that. So it'll be interesting to see. I agree with that assessment. You may get the odd um, Mm -hmm. purchase here and there, but typically if you're not pushing it, I mean, it's not front of mind. So the one thing I did do was we have now that site-wide ad inserter and I did change that to the course. So that is showing up in pretty much every blog post as at least like a little promo square. So got it. Okay. And would you change anything about how you launched either for the next course coming up or when you relaunched the one that you already did? I don't know that I would change that much except maybe doing a few teaser emails prior to launch just to kind of set the stage for that. I think we did a good job of not having our emails be super repetitive. Each one was about a different topic or from a different perspective. And that was good. And we would also strip out um, anyone that bought the course from the rest of that drip campaign. So if they bought, they weren't continuously getting a bunch of other emails at that point they don't care about. So that was good. Um, I think my bigger takeaway is just make courses smaller, (laughs) right? Like content wise, like I think it just kind of blew up bigger than I thought. And in 2022, I would probably pick more niche topics that are a little bit more digestible. The nice thing with that is not only is it faster to develop Mm -hmm. them, but you could bundle them together. And probably with your marketing background, you know, like bundling is a great psychological thing that will encourage people to buy stuff. Uh, You know, that said, I have a few courses. I rarely bundle them, but I'm, I'm a little bit lazy. (laughs) Because you have to set up new offers and and like bundle it and then do the marketing material specific for that bundle. And I'm not a big discounter either, just in general. Well, you know, as far as I can tell from Teachable, it does make it easy to do, I think they call them bumps or something, where you can attach a second Teachable offer pretty easily on the checkout page. Um, So that would be easy once we had a second course, or you and I have talked about putting the paid digital guides into Teachable as little eBooks, and then those would also be good upsells. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. So no huge changes uh, in the launch. I do recommend the pre-launch uh, like teaser emails to mm-hmm. get people thinking. As we know, yeah. uh, if you're lucky, I think you have a pretty high open rate on your emails, but people are not opening every email. Sometimes those stats are wrong. Sometimes they're interested, but they just get busy and then it it falls away and they they don't pay attention. So just getting out there more is is helpful. And probably were I to do it again, I would not be launching on Black Friday, Cyber Monday time period when they're getting a ton of other emails. That's just when it landed. And so it's fine. But realistically, I would not do that again. 
So. Okay. Very good. Um, anything else about the courses before we move on? I mean, the only thing is now, like, I found it pretty painful to make the course, probably because I was starting fresh, like I'd never made a course before. However, now, like, it doesn't cost me anything to keep it running except for keeping Teachable going. So it is just like another resource, like the paid guides, like the blog posts I've already published. Like it's creating an asset that I can use for a long time and figure out new ways to sell. So it's nice that it's not, you know, a lot of industries are like, well, I tried it. And if it didn't work, I have a bunch of inventory or I have, you know, there's just none of that with the affiliate model and creating online content. So that I just think is comforting. Like I have the asset now I can figure out how to use it. Very good. Yeah. Agree a hundred percent. All right. Let's talk about the content sprint. And I think it may lead us to Etsy as well. So you had mentioned the content sprint before. Can you outline what you did and any data you may have already? Sure. So the holiday sprint was 25 new articles that I've been publishing over the last probably month or so. And they were exclusively buyer's intent posts, which is different than what I would normally be publishing. Normally it's probably 50-50, if not more informational posts. But for the holidays, I was like, I want to do 25 kind of low competition keywords, buyer's intent, and see if I can get them to rank fast enough to matter for the holidays, basically. And I think what we've seen is that, yes, that does matter. There's no way to really tell how much it mattered, except to say November was great. And so clearly it didn't hurt. And, you know, like I said, with the course, these are still 25 articles still on my site forever making money. Right. So whether it's this holiday specifically, or if they start ranking in January by next Christmas, like it'll be great. Um, The one thing that I did notice that was interesting was that we had several gift related posts that we did specifically for products on Etsy, which is not, a huge contributor when I compare it to Amazon and ads, but it's not bad. Like I've made a thousand bucks from it over the two years. Um, And this month it went from $38 in October to $231 in November, which was too much of a change to be a fluke. (laughs) So last November to December, it was like a $30 increase. So That was something that I definitely noticed and I attribute to specifically that holiday sprint because those are Etsy specific posts that we put out and clearly that's a good idea around the holidays. And how many Etsy specific posts did you publish again? Probably three out of the set. (laughs) That's funny. Because it's, I mean, it 10x the Etsy mm -hmm. revenue, which I mean, a lot, you've been working on your site for a little while, but a lot of people are kind of in earlier stages. So you went from like $30 from Etsy revenue to um, 300 roughly, or sorry, it was like mm-hmm. $27 to uh, 260 to be specific. So roughly a 10X for three mm-hmm. articles. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And last, yeah, last November was about 110 total and then the november before that was 36 
that's yeah, that's pretty that amazing. Was- yeah, I could have been reading from the wrong column there, but you're good. <laughs> it still it still yeah. makes me happy. So. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S. And they're the source for aged domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The featured domain for today, kind of a cool one, is fridgetotable.com. This was a recipe site for people who wanted to use up the ingredients they had on hand. So actually, this is something I do every now and then. For example, I... Well, I shop at Sam's. I buy in bulk and I got some uh, ricotta cheese. And well, it was a shitload of ricotta cheese. It was a lot, more than I needed for a giant batch of lasagna. And I had a bunch left over. So I was trying to figure out what to use it on. I won't tell you what I ended up doing. I don't even remember, but I did Google that. And basically, a site like this would let you know what you could uh, basically use up your ingredients based on what you have. So if you had weird stuff like ricotta, pickles, ketchup, and mustard, you may not have a great dish. But if you had some other more versatile things, maybe it would work out. Anyway, this this site is available. So the cool thing is uh, it's pretty versatile. So you could actually have another recipe site and branch out into different areas, or you could have sort of kitchen appliances or other related home items, something that fits with the recipe idea. It was created in 2019, so it's two years old. The domain rating is 32 with a domain authority of 28. It has 165 referring domains and 147 of them are do follow. It has some pretty amazing links from places like time.com, iheart.com, and duke.edu. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account, which I greatly appreciate. And I might get a commission if you buy anything, which uh, is pretty, pretty awesome. So thanks a lot. Thanks to Otis. And let's get back to the show. So people get an idea, were these uh, like KGR type keywords or, yeah. So I don't necessarily do the calculation anymore the way that I did at the very start of the site because I have now, I think, a general sense of the point of KGR, right? So when I look at a, a term, I go look at the competition, I see what kind of things are ranking, like I have a good sense of whether something will rank fairly quickly or not. And when I'm, you know, going through my list of potential keywords, I'm still picking a lot of the ones that are lower traffic, right? But if I do a bunch of those that other people are not going after, it's still great. Within, you know, my overall yearly content, I do go after some bigger terms and usually can do pretty well with them. But for things like the sprint, I wanted things that would like quickly rank and, just knowing that like the holiday traffic specifically, like if I can just get someone to click, even if they don't buy what was on my list, chances are they're in the mood to buy things. So yeah, that was kind of my goal. All right. And, and basically you'll publish something and it'll probably rank in the top 10 in, in a week or less, right? Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Hmm? Okay. And have you ever had um, issues with your site 
or specific pages being indexed. I know people ask this very often, so we haven't talked about it in a while. Your site has been around. There's quite a bit of content. You get traffic Mm -hmm. from various sources, which I all think, I think all that contributes to Google actually indexing things when you publish them almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So yeah, go ahead. I've never like forced it to re-index lately. I know you can do that. Um, I haven't, right? As you know, which we sometimes disagree about, I don't spend a lot of time tracking individual keywords uh, solely because I think, given my personality, that's somewhere I would go down the rabbit hole and like never come out and actually do anything. So it's a little easier for me to just be like, it's going to do what it's going to do. I'm going to throw it out into the ether. Hope for the best. So yeah, I don't worry about forcing it to index or checking to see when it does. Okay. Very good. Yep. And I think, you know, a lot of times when I give people advice, uh, unfortunately their sites are so young. So maybe they've been working on it for like two or three months or even six months and 70% of their articles are indexed and they they show up and they Mm -hmm. get data, but some of them, you know, it just takes a little while for it to get going. And perhaps that's what happened with your site also in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but you are not one. I think it's a fine balance to look at the analytics enough, Mm -hmm. but not too much. And uh, things are going fine for you. So keep doing what you're doing, but you would not have noticed that in the first six months because you just weren't looking at those areas. You were just publishing more and more content. Yep. And that's something that looking back, I'm very happy I did. If I were to give a piece of advice, as long as your SEO is solid, like I followed the KGR method, like religiously in the beginning. Um, And I basically had this thought that if I can get more content out there faster, right at the start, give it a long time to bake, uh, that that would basically help me get where I wanted to go, you know, by a factor of X compared to dribbling out content like once a month myself. So I would absolutely do that again. I will probably do that again in 2022. We'll see. But yeah, I was really happy to have that course of yours in the very beginning when I didn't know anything about SEO Mm -hmm. because I literally just needed a guide. The other thing that uh, we were chatting about before is a little tweak from ads. So you use Mediavine mm-hmm. and you were, I guess, talking with your account manager. So what came out of that conversation? Yeah. So I was just asking them every now and then I'll check in with them and just ask if there's anything that I could be doing differently. And one of the things that came up for November was ways to increase basically ad impressions on the page. So that relates primarily to how much time someone's spending scrolling through the article and reading and how many ads they see while they do that. And one of the things that they brought up was when I have really long form articles, which I have many of, if I have the table of contents up at the top and it's always expanded, then a lot of people will obviously use it and jump down to different parts of the article, skipping a bunch of it which I had thought initially was good for user experience to give people like a roadmap of where it was going, the option to click to whatever they wanted. I did not think about the fact that then that would impact ads, right? Cause at the time I did it, I didn't have ads. 
right? So it didn't really matter. And so they just recommended like a quick fix of go into my table of contents tool and default to always being condensed instead of expanded. So people can use it if they click on it, but otherwise that's going to make more people just scroll through the content and see more ads. So I do think that that helped boost ad income for November. There's no way for me to tell how much, but uh, you know, it was about a $600 boost from October to November. And I don't think all of that is just holiday traffic. Right. And again, people can go check out the earnings graph and kind of see uh, what it was in 2020 and even, uh, you know, earlier than that. But you can sort of compare and maybe approximate some percentages of what, you know, you might predict. But yeah, like you said, there's no way to exactly tell because there's always too many variables and it's really hard to track that kind of information. All right. Anything else with ads? Um, nothing else with ads specifically other than to say that it was very good that I diversified in that way. And that looking back was a very good idea. Yes, it's not as nice for user experience, like 100% agree. Though I like not being solely tied to Amazon, just given the number of times they've decreased their commissions just while I've been doing this. So it makes me feel a lot better to have the diversity of that. Um, the other thing I was going to notice as I stare at the numbers here on my end was that we did pass 2 million in lifetime traffic this month. And that was kind of cool. Right. Did you celebrate in any way? Um, I took that $9,000. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> That's a good, good celebration. All right. Yeah. Now, we've just been highlighting all the great stuff that you've done, but mm -hmm. you've made mistakes and you've failed at a mm -hmm. few things. So I'll, I'll just, I'll put it that way. So I'll knock you down a little bit. Thanks. Just so mm -hmm. it's. <laughs> yep. Merry Christmas. Just, just so people know that not everything works every no. single time you try it. So a couple other items that you, you mentioned that are, that are not working are the knowledge directory and the paid guys, which we've, we've kind of talked about mm -hmm. a few times, but yeah, any other thoughts around those, you know, around uh, November? Yeah. You know, I did what I call like the red, yellow, green post-it note exercise this month as well, which is basically when I'll take literal sticky notes of those colors and I'll put the things that I hate or the things that make me just like kind of want to die on reds and I'll put the things in yellow that I'm like, it's okay. I mean, whatever. And then the things that are working well in green. Now the, yeah, the knowledge directory was definitely on reds because I feel like I've invested a lot of time in it. Um, I hate going in and checking 60 affiliate programs to see if I made two bucks anywhere. Like that's just not a good use of time. So those are all going on my delegate list for 2022. And yeah, I'll probably just periodically have someone from my team check them, like maybe even quarterly. Um, I have not decided to put any more like time or effort into promoting that at this point. I do think that we're not taking advantage of our email list nearly as much as we could and so it's likely that if I made mini sprints about a particular course that I could then sell some of those. That's just not something that we've tried yet. 
So I would put that on kind of the low hanging fruit for 2022. Like if I picked a higher value course, um, that I think would be worth doing a few emails just to see, but I'm not going to dump tons of money into that project for sure. Um, paid guides are fine. Like you said, they're 10 bucks a piece. I sell a couple every month. It's not hurting me to have them there. Um, so don't plan on really doing a lot differently with that. The only thing that we did talk about was maybe converting them to eBooks and putting them in teachable to have as upsells. So that I do think is a good idea. Um, but for the most part, like knowledge directory, I thought it was a super cool idea. It might still be later. Like again, it's not costing me anything now, so it's fine, but right. Not a wild success. The, um, the idea to pick a specific course or product Mm -hmm. does make sense. And I suspect, I mean, it's actually separate from the knowledge directory in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because it would just be an email marketing sprint for the most part. So, and I probably wouldn't even link back to that. I would just link to the course. So, right. And I think, I think you're right. The email list is so valuable. It's so targeted. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the emails are, just value and and building trust and that sort of thing. So in the long run, and you mentioned this before about maybe doing more lead magnets and building the email email list a little bit more, that would be amazing, especially if you're selling your own products, which I mean, I could see promoting other people's products. If you don't already have the offering, obviously you wouldn't market something that is direct competition Mm -hmm. with you. But Mm -hmm. um, the fact is, you made a pretty good amount of money from just selling 12 of your own products and it's mm-hmm. almost all profit. Of course you have to pay back the initial investment, yep. but you know, once you get past that, it's uh, pretty amazing. Right. Well, even if it, you know, let's say that at minimum I would sell the same amount per year, right? That's still decent, right? For something that I've already made. Like if I sold, $12,000 worth of this course that I invested in one time over the years, you know, like site's not going anywhere, I'm not selling right. it. <laughs> so, and if you just, you know, there could be some pieces that you optimize either the launch or the, mm-hmm. the sequence or something like that, or something on the sales page right. that is similar to the tweak of right. the table of contents where, Oh, if we just, you know, it's rare to find those, but they do exist, uh, especially when you're going through your first launch, you don't know what you don't know. You hardly know what you do know. So the next time around you can improve it. So, well, and I think, you know, over the years I would also be adding our own video content to courses that we've already made. So the second course will have our own video in it. The first course did not. So it's also something where I can improve what we've already built over time. Um, But even if I did nothing and we just promoted it four times a year, maybe I would make $4,000 from that, which is good. I'll take it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And you should, I mean, just what I know from my courses, you should improve in the way that you're selling it, assuming your audience continues to grow at at some level you should have new eyes on it and then maybe the timing's right for people that didn't want to buy anything because they were saving for uh, gifts for the holidays versus buying like a course for themselves maybe. Right. 
Okay. Well, and you know, if I sold $4,000 of it in a year, that's 80 new articles I can buy. So that, you know, that's how I'm thinking about it now. It's not necessarily like, what am I going to spend that on? No. Like, what can I buy for it to put back into my own site? Like, that's what I care about. You were over budget for what you, you know, planned on this year, which I think was like 15000 or something like that. So can mm-hmm. you talk about your, your spending and why yep. you went over budget? Yep. So I planned on putting fifteen k into the site. I saved that up in 2020. So it was just sitting there ready to go and I didn't have to worry about it or feel bad about it. Something I planned to spend. I spent a lot of it on content. I spent a good amount of it on systems, which, you know, (laughs) I mean, improved hosting, teachable. It's not a super sexy way to spend 300 bucks a month or whatever, but in theory, that's a good investment. And so we're doing it. Um, But the big reason that I went over budget, probably the entire reason was all the technical site speed, you know, just buggy stuff that I was dealing with this summer. And that was probably literally the extra 5k. So it wasn't that I wildly overspent on anything that I had planned to be doing, which is good. And for 2022, I know that, yeah, I should probably have kind of a technical budget in mind, just, you know, or at least a bucket of funds that I don't mind pulling from. But for the most part, you know, it goes to content which is a good investment. It's kind of like owning a home where there's always mm-hmm. some maintenance and maybe further right. out, but it's nice to have like, what do they say? Like Your 1% roof. of the value <laughs> of the home right. for the random stuff. And it, you know, sometimes, you know, for a few years, nothing happens. And then all right. of a sudden, like you New said, furnace, yeah, roof <laughs> furnace, Yep, there's always something. Okay. That was my first winter furnace out. <laughs> Very cool. And at the beginning of the year, you put together a very nice Gantt chart for things that you were going to work on, uh, like a normal project mm-hmm. and roadmap. Shit goes wrong and your plans <laughs> change and yep. then things get delayed and, and that sort of thing. Any main highlights for either projects that were totally mm-hmm. scrapped or delayed or anything like that? Yep. I I would say I did pretty well, at least touching on most of the things on the list, especially in the first half of the year, I would say summertime kind of threw me off, right? That was just go back and read the summer posts if you want a droopy drawers version of me. Um, But I was able to do some digital guides, did three of those. I was able to do both of my content sprints, which is 75 articles I was able to launch the first course. I did the knowledge directory. We've done outreach all year. Like those were all planned. Second course, not done, but it is, you know, it's in progress. Um, List building. We haven't like focused, focused on it, but it has been building. So that's something that I would move to probably 2022. Blog acquisitions is something I do want to get back to for next year. Um, I have one lead currently that I'm kind of doing the data gathering on. Um, but that would be for next year. And then lead magnets. I do want to get into next year and see if I could really blow up the email list, you know, and take it from 3,700 to 10 K. 
right? That would be awesome. So things like that would be good. I just had to accept that I wasn't going to get to everything. Right. Was that hard for you? (laughs) As you smirk at me. Yes, it's hard for me, Doug. I think you had to tell me I didn't have to do everything. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, you. I mean, you picked this stuff. So yeah, you can take it off. (laughs) Who made this plan? Yeah, no. I like getting everything done that's on a list for sure. Um, But then again, I do have kind of a head start on 2022 plan, which is what I'll be doing most of December. So, yeah, I do feel good about everything we got done. I don't think I would have gotten nearly as that as much done this year without a plan. And I certainly wouldn't have done nearly as much without a giant goal of doubling the site revenue. Like that was just like a brainchild of, I don't know, let's just see. And it looks like we can. So, um, I am very glad that we put some structure around it. That's a good way for me to end up getting things done. So in a note about, creating a plan like this. I mean, it is hard to remove the items, especially if you're very, I guess, like list oriented and type mm-hmm. A and you, you want to get done all, all the tasks yep. that you committed to, but we don't have enough information as we're starting uh, the plan mm-hmm. and, and thinking about it. So six months down the road, you realize, Oh, like we have all this actual real world information and Maybe you do the red, yellow, green post-it exercise that you talked about mm-hmm. and you realize, well, I hate this stuff and I can actually right. work on things that are energizing, that, that move the needle and ignore the things that I'm like really struggling right. with and it's hardly working. Right. The, the other part, a, a nice analogy, maybe not everyone has this uh, sort of characteristic, but do you ever have like something on your calendar and you're like, ah, 50-50 and then when you get to cancel it, it's amazing. Like just Doug, I love canceling stuff. It's my favorite things. thing. Yeah. Saying it's my favorite. No. Yeah. Even things that I like with people I like, delighted to cancel. Well, we should say I set want up it to not be my just... idea though. <laughs> right. I just want like circumstances to arise in which I need to pretend to be sad that it canceled while I secretly rejoice inside. It's um it's something it's cool. So if you can say no to things, like you may feel like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, I'm going to have a much better week because I got that off my calendar. Right. So, and one specific, I'm just thinking about it now, but one specific thing for me is sometimes I end up having to meet with people that are in vastly different time zones. And if it's a coaching situation, I'm happy to do right. it. I'll wake up early. It's totally fine. But occasionally it's for a like a podcast interview, yeah. and I realized that I I dreaded it because I, like I do yeah. I work best at the, this time of day that we're talking mm-hmm. right now, which is it's like yep. ten a.m. So mm-hmm. I have I got probably like a five hour window. It's pretty good um, in the evening. I, like my batteries are low, I'm vegging <laughs> out. I go to bed early, yeah. so like usually my yeah. wind down routine starts at like eight or something like that. <laughs> So like Old I go to bed. Doug. Yeah. And it's it's tough because a lot of times those meetings are like at eight. Yeah. So I, I don't take them anymore. And if yep. I need to do one, I'll probably just ask unless I I need to 
uh, sort of cater to to them because they're doing me a big favor. That's totally different. But a lot of times it's like, ah, can you wake up at uh, five in the morning? Right. No, I'm not going to. No. no. You, you wake up at five in the morning. <laughs> right. So, like, I'll be here at 10. Talk to you then. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up upon the end of the year and, and closing down this whole endeavor, which appears like it will probably be successful, like to the letter of like double, yeah. doubling revenue. So what's on the horizon for next year? You're, you're going to mm-hmm. spend some time planning. So can you talk about the planning process and then maybe a couple bullet points on what you're thinking about? So the big thing for me is that now I think I've tried enough different things to know what goes on a green sticky note and what doesn't. Uh, not to say things on yellow aren't important sometimes, but it doesn't mean necessarily I need to be the one doing them. I think the big thing I've learned over the years running another business was that sometimes my yellow and red post-its are other people's greens. And if you can find those people who like doing those things that you hate, then everybody wins. (laughs) So it's a lot of Right now, I'm working with my team to say, what gets delegated? What can we put some process around? Um, You know, there are things that I'm just not going to do anymore. Just not going to do it. Uh, And there are things that I want to get back to doing more of that I couldn't do so much this year because I was trying so many different things. So I want to get back to doing a lot of the SEO stuff myself. That's what I like to do. I feel like it's going pretty well. Um, so I want to be doing that. I want to do more content. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be writing at all, but it does mean that, you know, the group of people that I've already worked with for writing, finding a couple new ones, I plan on like blowing up the content next year, I think is my general plan along with, you know, maybe doing a blog acquisition or two to kind of shortcut my way there. And Yeah. So I think for me, it's like content focused next year. I'm not sure what that'll look like. I like, I like the big sexy goals. So there will be one TBD, but uh, yeah, so far this year has just definitely showed if it puts some structure around a giant goal, like that works out pretty well. And to get an idea of the scope, I think this past year you published about 75 articles. Mm-hmm. What do you think you might target for next year? No, 400, double the content maybe. Okay. I think we'll be at 500-ish by the end of this year. So maybe I go to 1,000. Okay. Um, that would be a giant endeavor. However... I've done it enough to put a process around it that it's not going to be nearly as, you know, nearly as hard as it was in the beginning, right? It's not 2018 anymore. Like I generally know what needs to get done. So, um, I think I could have that going as kind of the undercurrent of 2022 and then actually have the mental space knowing that that is getting done to go and cherry pick some of this other stuff like second course acquisitions, uh, lead magnets, like some of the other stuff that would be a green post-it note for me if I knew that the content was getting done. Got it. All right. Well, it'll be exciting to uh, like see how it goes. And I think, you know, it seems like a very doable goal. There were 
some hurdles along the way this year and then creating the courses, like you said, yeah. is a lot more work. Marketing them is even more work. Mm -hmm. And once it's out of the way, you're in good shape. But yeah, it's a tremendous, uh, like it pulls your focus and, right. and the team's mm -hmm. focus as well. All right, final, final question. Any idea for the budget for next year now that earnings are higher, uh, considerably right. higher? And, and this year, you know, you allotted, you know, 15K and had to yep. adjust a little bit. But any, any thoughts on that? So I would guess that I might put in 15 to 20K in content. So I pay a decent amount for my articles. I know that you can get them cheaper, but as a writer in my other life, I just can't make myself do that. Um, so 20K would buy me 400 articles for a year. And most of the other stuff I want to do doesn't really cost money. It's just work, lead magnets, stuff like that. It's all stuff I can do myself. Um, blog acquisitions would be an open question on how much I might spend there. It just depends if either something falls in my lap or if I go back to my kind of acquisition target list, which I have because I'm a nerd and it's probably got 30 that would be pretty good. And I might just start doing outreach to those folks and see. So that would just be if I found a good opportunity or if I found some low hanging fruit, someone who just wants to get rid of their blog. Right. And maybe the content isn't optimized at all. Maybe it's not making any money but probably I can turn it into something that makes some money. So I would say at least 20 K um, for November's earnings. I've already earmarked them for content. So that 9,100 goes straight into the operations budget for next year. Nice. Okay. Well, of course, all this stuff is flexible and we'll get another update from you. Yes, I'm at the so end. flexible. <laughs> At the at the end of December, so hopefully you know we'll cross another milestone. I I can't remember if I said it on the record or off the record, um, but probably in April or maybe even March, I said I think I think your site can probably mm -hmm. hit about twelve k in December, and it's kind of tracking along that way. I wouldn't be surprised. I won't make you say a prediction unless you want to. Do you have any predictions? Well, I think when I do a little bit of projection from last year, but I take out the thousand that was from the course for November, I'm guessing it'll be closer to 10 or 11, um, which would be awesome. Still, like last December, I made 4,900, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> and it was, right? So if I crossed 10, period. I would be delighted because that's just another mental milestone of being like the amount of content I currently have can generate $10,000. Like that helps me just be like, this is doable. Even if it's not making that every month, it's proven that like that is possible with this amount of content. So, Hey, if I double the content, can I make 20 or can I realistically make 10 every month next year? Like maybe. Right. So, Okay. Well, that'll be amazing. Like I said, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, 12 is possible. Um, but yeah, if, if people look over at the traffic graph and extrapolate and it, who, who knows, it's impossible who to knows? know, um, but there's a lot of variables like with ad revenue yeah. and such. So, all right. Anything mm -hmm. else, Christy, before we finish up? 
I don't think so. I mean, I think we're just back on track from a rocky summer. Um, but now it's to the point where I am going into 2022, like more excited about it. I'm excited to make a plan for it. I'm excited to dump money into it, frankly, um, because I know I can get it back out of it. So it's great. Like this is something that I'm building for really like my future self. Right. So it's not something that I'm using to live on right now, although it does buy me some fun stuff. Um, but this is something that I'm like, okay, when I'm old like Doug and I don't want to be doing my other business and I'm going to bed at 8 PM, uh, what can I have that's working for me? So that's right. Yeah. We should all aspire to such goals. We should. We should. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Christy. And we'll talk to you next month. All right. Bye. It's been great to follow along with Christy for so long. The first time I interviewed her was in 2019, in January, I believe, and she had just hit $100 per month. We checked in a couple times along the way, all the way until early 2021, and we embarked on this 2x accelerator where she wanted to double her income. So this has worked out really well. Many people have emailed me or commented that they like the updates, they enjoy following along. And this goes for you, fine podcast listener, as well as over on the YouTube channel. And there's a decent amount of crossover. But all that to say, Christy and I have been throwing back and forth the idea to continue working together and kind of focus on a different area. So Really, the ink's not dry or anything like that, nor is there actually any ink, but we're still tossing around the idea and exactly how it will look. If there's something that you have in mind, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. In general, this 2X Accelerator has been a bit of a roller coaster like affiliate marketing and SEO often is. There are external factors beyond our control that we have to deal with. Sometimes it's technical issues like Christy was dealing with this year. It really, I mean, it knocked her off the rails for a bit and cost a decent chunk of money. But as we discussed today, it's something that you might need to account for over the long term. Fortunately, if you have a site that is earning significant money like Christy is, usually it's not it's not going to be a huge problem if you have to spend you know, several hundred dollars that are unexpected or even a couple thousand over a few months like Christy had to do. It's not, it's not the, it doesn't make you feel good if you got to do some maintenance or fix some technical issue, but it's something that you can handle and it's not going to completely wreck your business or anything like that. And at the time that I'm recording this, which is just a few days before the episode goes live on December 13th, so far, Christy has not been impacted at all by the recent Google updates. And I believe two of them have been rolling out over the past month or six weeks or so. It's been interesting because so many sites are impacted in some fashion and Christy has been sort of lucky. 
I'm not sure if it's luck or if it's the way that she has grown her site, getting traffic from a few different revenue, not revenue sources, but a few different traffic areas. Not that she gets a huge amount of traffic from anywhere outside of Google, but there is some social traffic due to the, I guess, activity that she has and the nature of her niche overall. The other part is she hasn't done any like link building campaigns in the way that many people in affiliate marketing run them where they send out a lot of emails and they get kind of random links from random sites that maybe aren't related at all. Christie's links are from extremely relevant sites that have traffic that typically get their traffic from various sources like social media, Google, and elsewhere. I'm not sure if there's any other sources than that, but basically her site has some pretty good links. And I believe that maybe has helped her out through these various Google updates. Now, knock on wood, I, I probably shouldn't brag on it too much. But I mean, the fact is, even sites that have no unusual backlinks, they've done no link building, those kind of sites can be impacted as well. But I have a feeling having these relevant backlinks within the niche that are, you know, very good links and some, you know, companies and manufacturers linking to her site and working with her. I feel like that has to be a good thing. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm not going to ramble on for too long here. If you do have questions for Christy, do shoot me an email feedback at Doug.show. We'll have one more update to close out the case study for the two X income accelerator case study, which is amazing that we're we're coming through and it was actually successful. I mean, uh, I haven't gotten the final numbers from Christy yet. We have a few more weeks left in the year, but it looks like things are trending in the right direction. Last couple episodes, I have been asking you uh, for a favor. If you found the episode helpful or inspiring, or you know there's another episode that could help someone you know, family, friends, enemies, whoever, I don't really care. But if you share the show, that would be fantastic. It's like a favor to me. And I know it's, uh, it may not be convenient. You may be in the car, you may be driving uh, and doing something else. You might be uh, cleaning your toilet, doing the dishes. Your hands may be full with something. If you have a minute later, it'd be awesome if you share the show. Really appreciate it. Catch you on the next episode.